Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. Now, obviously, we're not broadcasting on 104.3 The Fan today uh, because of Broncos training camp. We get moved over to our sister station, ESPN, this week and next week. We'll be back on the fan. If you're liking what we're covering here and hearing, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, uh, you can find us almost every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan and find us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's go to the phones and joining us from what I consider one of the premier events for uh for kids in the state of Colorado, and there's two of them now, and that's Cast for Kids, and they're doing it at Chatfield, and joining us from there is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great, and I love seeing our youth, uh, whatever their limitations or abilities are, getting involved. And this program really takes kids who might not have the opportunity or think they could do it and opens doors for them, doesn't it? It really does, Terry, and you know, I think it's kind of the combination of everything. So, you know, the, the cast organization is a national organization, and then you have hosts, um, you know, that bring it to states and certain locations. And, you know, they set up a good fishery. They set up, you know, the correct volunteers with the correct gear. They train them um, and to really bring, you know, everybody's needs to, to the table um, and allow them to catch fish and have a great day on the water. So not just getting them out, but, but to catch fish and share the joy of the outdoors that, that we all know and love. And uh, I tell you, it is so neat. We're out here at Chatfield. Um, it is great. You know, we keep talking about how hot the walleye bite is. And typically by now, we'd start to see this bite start to fade. Uh, but all the stars align. That bite continues to be really strong. Um, and everybody out here catching some uh, a lot of fish, some great fish. We have a slight breeze. We were really worried about the heat. That breeze kept it cool. Uh, Terry, it, just, it couldn't be a better event out here today. Well, and if people are interested, these events take place every year. It's Cast for Kids. Um, Google it and go look it up. And if you want to be a volunteer, both with a, they need volunteers both in boats and on shore. Or if you, if you know a, a, a disabled or disadvantaged child that you think could take advantage of the program, try to get them, them uh, registered and involved. Because, Nate, we talked about this uh, with Will Dykstra just earlier on the show about what he's doing for veterans. And the outdoors just has such a value to, to bring to people's lives and such a therapeutic effect on people. We always say that just the healing effect is unbelievable. I had a, a young gentleman named Robbie, uh, you know, and, and he's in a wheelchair or a chair, and we even got that on the boat, got him situated. And uh, I tell you, it's unbelievable to, to watch the joy and the excitement of uh, catching a fish and, you know, and a fish flopping around in their lap. Um, just the joy of it. And, you know, a shout-out to the family on my boat. They're Accessible Dot Adventures. Uh, they're an adventure family um, that, that goes out and does not let, um, anything stopped them of all the adventures. And today, one of the adventures was fishing. So huge shout-out to, to that family that joined me today. Again, I had Robbie from Accessible Adventures. Um, but just such a neat deal, and Cass is the one putting it all together. So it is, it, it's amazing to be a part of this organization. Well, before we move on, we want to talk some hunting. Um, before we move on, I just want to say thank you to all the volunteers that showed up today to help these kids. 
That's it, Terry. And it takes uh, it takes an army. I mean, you have you know obviously the boaters that are providing their boat and equipment. You have everybody on shore that is setting up, tearing down, loading the kids on boats, keeping track of everything, cooking lunch, setting up tents. Um, it is a big organization. So absolutely, Terry, a huge thanks to everybody uh, involved today, no matter what the level was. Yeah, and I hopefully we'll cont- we'll see these events continue and grow here in Colorado. So, Mr. Nate, it's getting to be that time of the year when uh, we were talking to Steve Schweitzer, and he said the, he's talking fly fishing. He said the high country is finally catching up with where you would expect it to be this year. It, that tells me I better be in the field scouting. You know, Dave, I, I talked to people the other day about hunting, and they were literally like, oh, you know, it's still a long ways off. I mean, look at the pronghorn archery season. We are literally two weeks away. Um, Everybody keeps pushing it back. Obviously, the super delayed spring and the rain, nobody is ready for it. But long story short, fall is here. And, you know, we we look at the the high country and we're losing snow on a daily basis. But honestly, we're not far from starting to gain new snow. Um, The fall is here. uh, And I can tell you right now, I spent some time at a local retailer, Bass Pro Cabela's. um, and there was not a a sense of hunting season by the consumer. Everybody in there shopping, I was like, oh, man, you getting your hunting rifle? They're like, no, we got plenty of time. And I'm like, ooh, do you? Um, so I think it's sneaking up on everybody, Terry. So, I mean, we keep talking about it, but from, from buying gear, breaking in boots, you know, shooting guns, finding ammo for your rifle, you know, whether it's bullets, completed cartridges or, or whatnot, Everything is happening, um, and you need to be prepared for it. But the, the true focus of today, we want to talk about scouting a little thoroughly. Um, I have a lot of people asking me about pronghorn archery. It uh, starts in the middle of August, and everybody is saying, hey, we've always been successful, but our go-to is hunting water holes. Obviously, this year, even though it's been hot and dry, we are slowly starting to dry up some of those holes. There's more water holes this year than there ever has been in history. So the concept or technique of hunting water um, might not be as conducive. So number one, if you're still going to do that, you need to scout the water holes. Don't just have faith that the water hole you've hunted over the past couple years is going to be good. So whether you put trail cameras up or visually watch them, you need to figure out which water holes are working, which ones are not. Uh, and then as you go into the big game season, same thing. You know, we have archery, elk and deer, September 2nd. Uh, we have bears starting then. It is time to scout, figure out where the animals are, where they're not, what patterns are there. Again, the water source thing, even for them, whether you hunt water or not, a lot of times we hunt these animals as they go to and from their water holes. Uh, everything is different this year, just a late spring, more water, and, and it's really showing in these animals' behavior. So I think this year scouting is by far more important than ever. So get out there, build patterns, figure out what's working. Um, I personally am doing a lot of long-range scouting, so I'm living behind my spotting scope, covering lots of ground, and just you know figuring out what's going on with uh, the animal behavior. You know, one of the things, too, um, CPW announced that the leftover licenses are going to go on sale uh, on the 1st, August 1st, and that's first part of next week. If you get on there and see if you can get one, but I think the -the over-the-counter go on sale then, too. So by by the beginning of next week, you're going to know if and where you're hunting. 
that's it. This is not, we don't want to say the last chance, but this is really the time where your last focus of reissue tags, leftovers, over the counter, you know what's happening. So there's no more excuses. Listen to this show, let it hit home, plan your tags for, for this coming week. And then after that, Scout, scout, scout. You know, we we had this situation, Terry, where you and I, we had callers call in and say, ah, oh, Nate always talks about his success, and, and they think it's kind of, you know, bogus or that there's special opportunity. At the end of the day, the success rate 100% comes down to education, scouting, knowing these animals, where they are in the field, knowing their behavior, knowing their timing. That is what leads to all of my success. I, I honestly can tell you that I probably have weaker characteristics as a hunter as far as my shooting ability, my calling ability, but where I shine is knowledge of the animal, knowledge of the resource. I know, you know, what the animal's doing, where they're going to go, where they're going to be, when they bed down, what the wind is, and it's the scouting and the knowledge is what brings all my success to the table, and that's one of those things that's achievable by everyone, and, you know, we, we talk about this almost on every show about, you know, the education, but if you go out, so many people scouting concept is finding where they're going to camp or looking around, checking some closed roads. But I scout as hard as I hunt. And that's one of the things that I would say is probably the biggest lacking point of a lot of the hunters out there is so many of the hunters, you know, they'll hike 10, 15 miles in a hunting day, but scouting, they sit in their truck. Um, I scout as hard as I'm going to hunt. I'm up at the same hours. I'm covering the same amount of country. I put the same intensity on opening day as I do in all my scouting days. And that's what leads to all that knowledge and, and finding those animals that you want. Now, I want to be sure we tell people, we, we're not telling you don't hunt if you don't have the time to scout. But the more prepared you are, whether it's scouting, whether it's knowing your firearm or your, your bow or all of your equipment, the better your chance of success. And don't, you know, you're going to get out of it usually what effort you put into it. Now, we're not saying you shouldn't go. As long as you've done enough that you know you're safe, you understand your gear, and you understand so you're not going to get lost or have an accident up there, we understand that. Go out and enjoy it. But set your expectations to the fact that you're out there and you haven't put in the work, you're still going to enjoy the hunt, but don't make consider it a failure if you don't harvest an animal. That's exactly it, Terry, because, again, the, the energy put in, and, you know, everybody's going to get lucky from time to time, but the education, the resource, the scouting is what's going to bring continuous success and success on an annual or even off daily basis. So that, that, that is 100% the, the truth, Terry. So keep that in mind. Get out there, scout. And, again, I can honestly say this. This is not a pitch from our great friends at CPW. With the over-the-counter licensing that we have available in Colorado, we have more opportunity on our public land through the leftover and or the over-the-counter program to get licenses and hunt than any state in the West. When you particularly talk about elk, we have more opportunity than anybody um, without having high points, without having to buy tags. Um, so we have some, some pretty unbelievable opportunity, and I encourage everybody, take advantage of it. Get out there, find these animals, because, um, again, the opportunity exists. Do you anticipate, now we talked a little bit about the high country had been way behind as far as snow. Most of that is now caught up and gone with this hot weather. Still a lot of water up there, undergrowth and the brush and and bushes and stuff have grown up quite a bit because of the amount of water. Are you expecting it to be a different season? Are the animals going to be in different places or acting differently? 
Yeah, I, I think I've, I've seen two parts so far this year. Number one, um, some of the stuff that melted off really late, I've seen those animals not move up into that country quite yet. So I have a handful of spots where I don't have elk is high in the high country, and I have mule deer that haven't quite moved into that country. But I would say the biggest noticeable difference this year versus other years is the migration. We have so much water and so much grass that a lot of times I see these animals covering quite a bit of country you know in the morning or evening to go from bedding grounds to water to sufficient food and this year there's water in every crevice there's grass everywhere obviously the bedding grounds are thicker than ever um we're seeing less migration so the animals are there but the average hunter is not seeing them as easily just because you know when the animals used to migrate a quarter mile or a half mile um, to where they are feeding, bedding, drinking, and they were noticeable to the hunter. Now they might be moving, you know, 50% of that or 20% of that. So they're just not as out in the open, I would say, as much. So hunters are having a, a slightly harder time finding them. So that's the biggest noticeable difference, and that's where that scouting really is going to come into play. All right, let's change subjects, change things up a little bit. Why don't you give me an update on what's going on fishing-wise? Absolutely, Terry. Like I mentioned, we're here at Chatfield for cast, but this walleye bite just ceases to uh, to stop. So we now have shad everywhere. We had a great shad spawn, and I would say in the last couple of days, it's been prevalent of what that shad hatch was. So the shad just moved off the shore, moved out of the bushes. We now have massive big bait piles all over the place. They're out in the middle of the lake. They're on the shoreline. So we have bait fish very prevalent kind of everywhere in the fishery but for whatever reason the walleyes are activating on it but we still have a pile of walleyes that are on structure so on points on tree lines on all of these areas we have got a pile uh, of walleye still feeding bass still feeding uh, and it's been tremendous so you know earlier this week i had uh, my thursday guide trip we had i think 87 walleyes and 18 perch um, so the bite continues to be good so if you're at chatfield you literally have options of throwing jerk baits under bait balls for walleyes or cranks you have options of jigs you have options of live bait rigs um, so the bite is on it's going good Cherry Creek is very similar. We're not doing quite the numbers at Cherry Creek, but there's reactionary fishing for the fish activating on shad, and there's a lot of fish on structure still taking the the meat or the bait presentations. Uh, so a lot of opportunity for all anglers. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it's probably those fish at Chatfield especially got conditioned to not having a lot of shad. I think eventually they're going to wake up to that, and it'll probably get – a little tougher to fish, but it's going to really make for improving the health of that fishery and seeing big fish. I couldn't agree more, Terry. I think that's exactly it. I think that they have, you know, somewhat starved for a year, and I don't think they're uh, quite looking up yet. The second they look up and find those bait balls, I do think we'll see the bite go down just a little bit. The new added tree growth is going to help that not get uh, as tougher as it has been in years past, but, but I definitely think we're going to see the fish move around here sometime in the next two weeks or so. All right, my friend, if people want to book a trip or want more information, how do they get a hold of you? Absolutely, Terry. We're Tightline Outdoors online, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. We do a ton of updates on our Facebook page, uh, and we have got a tremendous walleye bite, and our pike bite are going strong. So whether you're looking for walleye, pike, or any other species, uh, give us a call. We would love to get you out on this uh, last of the summer bite. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Nate. Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. and. Uh, just 
that cast for kids, I tell you what, there's been a few people in this state. Uh, Bill Wilson was one up here at Horsetooth that have just championed that for years. And what a great, great way to get kids into the outdoors. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, the folks at Jack's are going to join us, and they're going to talk getting ready for hunting and maybe some of the gear that's on sale on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. Normally you will find us on 104.3 The Fan from 9 to 11. If you like this programming, join us over there most Saturdays. By the way, that uh, that uh, bumper coming in was from the Eagles, and uh, one of the founding members, Randy Meyer, um, passed away just, uh, I believe, yesterday or the day before. He was the original singer of Take It Easy and uh, one of the founding members of the Eagles. Uh, to me, one of the greatest country-slash-rock groups of our uh, of my time. Anyway, let's go to the phone. And joining us from Jack's Outdoor Gear is uh, Casey Prather. Good morning, Casey. Morning, Terry. How are you doing today? Oh, doing great. And yourself? Doing well. It's so nice out. I bet you wish you were outdoors. I do. I do. I'd love to be uh, out in the field or on a river right now. Yeah, but you know what? If you can't be out there talking about it and being surrounded by all that great gear does help. Absolutely. Great time of year to get uh, get prepped for the hunting season, make sure all your gear is in order. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Nate was talking about scouting, and scouting is up for all types of hunting. We talked about big game. Now, you do a lot more, I think, upland game hunting. Is that right? Yeah, I do a lot more bird hunting, uh, upland and waterfowl. And, you know, really the whole scouting thing, it's pretty universal. Uh, good preparation can make a big difference in your hunt. Oh, without question. What do you like to do right now as far as when you're in the field to get ready? Uh, you know, uh, I think the biggest thing people can know is, you know, knowing your boundaries. Um, you know, you, you don't want to see somebody uh, – you know, getting in trouble because they're, you know, wandering into the wrong unit. Um, so, you know, mapping. Um, I, I personally use the the online stuff, the Onyx maps, but I always keep a, a BLM or a Nat Geo map with me. Um, here at Jax, we also carry, you know, the USGS, the seven and a half minute maps, um, and you know, a good good glass. You know, whether it's binoculars or spotting scopes. Um, you know, we carry a lot of the Diamondback stuff. Um, really goes a long ways. You know, what, one of the things I've tried to, convince, to talk to people about, especially with binoculars, is, you know, they pick them up in the store and they look through them. But with all the coatings and the different amounts of light emitting and things, you guys, will you just let them, you, you can walk with them. Obviously, you don't want people taking them away. But step out of the store, especially if it's a cloudy day, and see what they look like in natural light. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah, and I'm here at the Eisenhower and Wilson uh, Jacks, the West Jacks, and our optic counter is located, you know, maybe 20 feet from the front door, so, um, you know, any of our staff uh, is more than qualified and happy to take you outside and, you know, take a look and, you know, see what the real range on these optics are and, uh, you know, apply it to real-life conditions as well. 
You know, and we were talking to Nate, and, you know, some of the big game seasons like archery, pronghorn, and are just a matter of a couple weeks away. We're not that far away from some of the bird hunting. We're like, what, a month away from dove season, right? Yeah, dove will be coming up here. And, uh, yeah, you know, dove's a great chance for people to get out. And I've always said if you can hit doves, you can hit just about any pheasant, ducks and geese. You know, it it is kind of a good uh, warm-up for the rest of the season. Well, I think dove season was just invented by the ammunition manufacturers to sell more shells. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. But, I agree. <laughs> um, speaking of ammunition and things like that, you know, over the last few years, there's been a tough time finding ammunition and then not finding the same ammunition to practice with that you hunt with, which is usually vital. How are you guys doing? Let's start with some of the gear. How are you doing for ammunition, both big game and shotgun? Yeah, you know, um, it's it's really starting to come in. Um, you know, we're not seeing the shortages like we did a couple of years ago. Um, it really is filling in, and not just in all the gauges and calibers, but, you know, from different brands as well, too. Um, I noticed uh, just looking through the aisles this morning, you know, we've got more uh, options in 20 gauge than what we've probably seen in two or three years. And not just lead shot, but, you know, your waterfowl loads, your steel shot and stuff like that as well. And, you know, just as important as it is to, you know, sight your rifles in with the same ammunition that you're going to use while hunting. um, I think it's really important to, you know, get an idea of the pattern of your shotguns with uh, the same kind of ammunition you're going to be using. We we talk about that all the time with the folks from Colorado Clays. They have a patterning board that they set up, and it's amazing what that does to kind of open people's eyes. First of all, with the shotgun, it tells them where your pattern is hitting, and so often, depending on your position, your pattern is high or low. And And then it also tells you the density with different shots, and you can compare them. But, you know, once you settle in, on whether it's a, a big game rifle or a shotgun, you really need to practice. You need to buy enough ammunition to practice with what you're going to hunt with and then hunt with that ammunition, don't you? Yeah, it's really important. You know, anymore, uh, you know, most of your firearms, they're going to shoot as well as you can shoot them. Um, but, you know, even just on the shotgun side of things, you know, uh, your, your pattern's going to be different going from – you know, lead shot with Dove earlier in the year to then switching to steel or your non-toxic stuff um, for the waterfowl season. So it's a good idea to kind of know the difference and know where you're at. Um, You know, steel shot's a little more expensive, and I'm sure, you know, nobody wants to be wasting ammo or or, uh, missing game either. You know, one of the things you told me one time was that you think one of the best ways to practice, especially shotgun, is to get in some competitions, and you don't have to get in at some high, high level. There's a lot of these fundraisers, like I know Colorado Clays just did Clays for Kids, where they raised $60,000 for Children's Hospital. And some and most shotgun ranges and organizations put on these kind of fundraisers, and they're usually open to the public to shoot in. It's a great way to put a little pressure on yourself because it's a little competitive, but really gets you into a good shooting mode, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's always a good idea that, you know, the clay ranges, they're going to offer you uh, a, a more variety of real-life scenarios to what you would see in the field rather than, um, you know, just that that uh, old clay slinger or hand thrower that's thrown straight out in front of you. And, uh, you know, especially through the summer months, a lot of guys kind of overlook the hunting stuff. And, you know, if you're just looking for some motivation, there's a ton of uh, – um, different competitions or uh, charity events. I just shot one for Helping Heroes about a month ago out in Nunn. Um, you know, they all go to a great cause, and it's a great time. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good camaraderie. And you know what? You, you're shooting with other people like that. You pick up little things, and people notice things, and they'll talk to you. And, you know, you can make notes together, and it really improves your shooting. It really does. There's no substitute for, you know, time on the range. So before we wrap things up, I, you know, if people are getting ready, they need to get ready completely with their hunting gear. Make sure your clothing is in order, your scopes, your firearms, your your optics, uh, footwear, everything. And you can handle all that at Jack's. You got any good sales going on right now? Oh, yeah. You know, we, uh, we've got Rocky Mountain Calls, um, game bags, a uh, big selection of broadheads and uh, targets, as well as, you know, uh, Diamondback Optics, a lot of the Sentaway stuff. Um, we've got uh, a big gift card offer on the Stealth Cam cameras. Um, and then even the boots, you know, we carry Setter, Rocky, Muck, Danner, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, you don't want to end up in the field with a brand new pair of boots out of the box. You're not going to like it. You know, it takes a little bit of time to break them in and it can make a lot of difference. Oh, the worst thing in the world is if you get sore feet or blisters, it just, you just don't hunt efficiently and it takes all the pleasure out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Good preparation makes for a good hunt. Yeah, without question. So you've got those sales going on at your store, or how about any of the other stores, same sales? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be at all the Jack's locations across Colorado here, and uh, that sale runs through the 6th of August. All right, my friend. Well, people need to get down and get ready. Hunting season, some of it's only a couple weeks away, folks. I know summer was late this year. doesn't feel like it, but, boy, you need to be getting ready. Thanks, Casey. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Casey Prather from the Jack's, uh, Jack's West store in uh, Loveland. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Chad Lachance is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the affinity groups and uh, just how much difference they can make in your fishing and help you become a better angler and what they do for the community as well. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. If you like this programming, follow us over there and uh, keep track of us. We will be on ESPN next week yet, too. And follow Terry Wisham Outdoors on Facebook. We'll keep, good way to keep track of us. Let's go to the phones. And joining us, a longtime contributor from the Fishful Thinker, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. It's a beautiful morning here at Horse Dudes. It's a beautiful morning everywhere. The sun is shining. It's going to be great. Now, 
I know you and I, we, we, trade, we traded some messages during the week in the full moon open, which is, I think you told me it's the, the oldest and largest bass tournament in Colorado, and that got you to thinking about the value of uh, uh, competition-type fishing in clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the full moon open is tonight, starts tonight, and uh, it'll go till tomorrow morning. It's a 12-hour all-night uh, deal, so it's definitely a, a grind for the guys. But um, they'll be fishing uh, strictly catch and release, like most of the other tournaments or all the other tournaments I'm aware of for bass fishing. And you keep your fish alive, they'll weigh them, and, uh, and it's all for, for um, good fun and prizes. So there's up to $10,000 available tonight for the guy who catches the right if it's a big bass matches an exact number they have chosen within a couple pound range, then that person will win 10 grand. So it's fun from that standpoint, but it's also important to keep in mind that these are charity fundraising tournaments. A lot of the different tournaments are just that they're fundraisers. And so this particular one benefits a couple different, uh, I think the Lammer food bank is one of them this year and, uh, and a couple other ones as well. But at the end of the day, they're fundraisers. It's a group of like-minded people that get together and compete, and uh, and they try to win prizes. And the whole reason there's prizes available is there's tons of local sponsorship for the whole thing, and that's very important as well. And uh, even your friends at a a are uh, sponsors of this event, A&A Coppers. So it's a fun event. But in general, uh, not just this tournament, but in general, tournament fishing is something that I think a lot of people don't think about. But at the end of the day, it's an excellent way to advance your skills because anytime you put competition in the frame, well, now there's going to be incentive, right, to grow your skills. And you're going to be with other people that are trying to beat you and you're exposed to what they're doing. And so it's a fantastic way to really grow your skills in a hurry. And the thing is, you don't have to have a boat. That's a key part of this conversation because you can sign up as a non-boater and then they will pair you with a boater uh, randomly in a drawing system or some tournaments or team tournaments if you have a friend with a boat. But you can be paired up with somebody that has a boat. And in that way, you'll get to fish with a whole bunch of different people and see how each of them do everything from handle their boat to handle their tackle and everywhere in between. In my first full year with the Denver Bassmasters, which was a long time ago at this point, Terry, uh, 20 plus years ago, um, the first full year, even though I had a boat in the garage, I didn't use it because I wanted to learn what everybody else was doing. So I went as a non-boater. I got to fish with, you'll fish with, depending on the tournaments, two or three guys, maybe one guy, depending on how long the tournament is. But I got to fish with a lot of different people and learn a whole bunch of stuff in a hurry. And, uh, and it just really is a great way to advance your skills. And I'll point out, too, this is not just for bass fishing. There are tournament groups for walleyes as well. And then there's other things that aren't quite the same as a fishing tournament, but there's a new ACA, American Casting Association, casting club here in, in Fort Collins, which is just a casting accuracy and distance club where it's all just competing for to advance your casting skills. And it's both fly casting and conventional tackle and spinning rods. So they've got different categories. So that's another way to get involved and compete. And then lastly, I'll throw out quick, um, the juniors, the kids clubs, uh, there's a bunch of them up and down the front range. And I was a kid who liked to fish and no one knew why I was the only child of a single mom. No one knew why I liked to fish, but she just took me and dropped me off at the beach. Well, these days you've got an option where you can put a kid in a club and he'll get to go fish with, uh, you know, with various anglers as coaches and again, they'll learn a whole bunch, get to ride around in fancy boats, and uh, and it's really fun. They just did the national championship tournament in Kentucky Lake 
or excuse me, what uh, Lake Hartwell, and I believe there were something like 400 boats, 400 teams from around the country and the world that competed for that national championship. So pretty good deal, but there's lots of options for guys to get involved. No, there really is. And, Bob, you were very heavily involved in coaching some very successful youth in these tournaments. Uh, Another thing, too, that uh, there's more and more people starting to show up and do things like from kayaks and things. Absolutely. The kayak club's a whole nother deal. And, um, and that's a fun deal for, it's a little bit more accessible to some people. You don't have to have as obviously as big a boat, although some of the boats, some of the kayaks these days are approaching boat costs, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, but the kayak clubs in there, some of those are multi-species deals too. So they're, you know, they might be fishing for bass here at Horsetooth one day and trout and pike at Spinney at the next tournament. So it's a you know a, a little bit more unique in that regard, and then you got things like like our mutual friend Nate Zelinski does with all of his deal, where you don't really have to be a part of any club; you can just sign up and fish some of his derbies, uh, and so that's another possibility as well. So, but but really, just fundamentally, what it's all about is getting to be better as an angler and getting around other like-minded people, which you might end up making a lot of friends with. A lot of the, my long-term friends I've met through various fishing organizations because of like-minded people. And then lastly, and this is a big one in today's day and age, uh, by getting groups together, you have a little bit of political clout as well. And I, I get that we don't maybe have as much as we'd like, but you know, organizations like Trout Unlimited and BASS and the American Sport Fishing Association and several of the others have been very good about organizing an angler's voice and fighting certain things. Uh, Captains for Clean Water, uh, Coastal Conservation Association, there's just a whole slew of them that are along the same lines and still an affinity group, but they're giving back to the sport in a big way, and that's important too. Well, I, I, I just, all I can do is echo everything you've been saying, and <clears throat> but I'll tell you, even I, I look back at my career in the outdoors, and you know, I started out. I, well, I started out as an angler when I was in a little bitty kid, and I my first um, real foray into it was tournament fishing. But I'll tell you, if you look back at it, the things you said, like, first of all, it's easy if you're just casually fishing for a day to go out and spend the day and catch a few fish, and in your mind you remember maybe the best catches of that day, and you don't remember so much of the details of the bad parts or you convince yourself there weren't so many bad parts. When you're in a tournament, you're forced to analyze every move, good and bad, and forced to cut through your own BS a little bit and and really be truthful about what's working and what's not. Well, yeah, competition, right? Anything you're competing at is one of those things that will bring your weaknesses to the front. I don't care if it's a a quarterback on a football team or – or your angling skill somewhere. Uh, when you start competing, then there's a certain reality that comes with results. <laughs> and if the results aren't there, then you got to look at why aren't the results there. And so, and I want to point out also that you can be a, I know guys that have been career club fishermen, meaning they fish club tournaments locally, maybe regionally for their whole adult life, like being in a bowling league. They're not necessarily trying to be professionals or something like that. It's just a group of people they like to hang around with and they, no different than a poker night or something like that. So you can be casual, but really you're still, when it comes down to competition, you're going to want to win. And like I say, it's going to force you to analyze what's going on. And the other thing, it's going to just expose you to stuff. You're going to see how other people do things. Maybe somebody's got a rig you're not familiar with, or maybe they choose to tackle different than you, or how they handle their boat. You might learn some things, or how their boat is even set up or rigged. 
those kinds of things all make a difference. And the funny thing is you'll really, the, the, the really humbling part is when there's money on the line, you want to win. Everybody wants to win to get to either get your butt handed to you by the other guy in the boat with you or vice versa going the other way around. And a lot of times you can try everything you're trying, you can to mimic exactly what that person's doing and you still can't catch their fish. And that's when you learn that fishing is really all about nuances and it's harder to catch another guy's fish than your own. So for me, it, it's a confidence thing to really learn the skills and apply them against other people. And it feels pretty good to beat some people. And being a sportsman, you know, deep down inside, when you lose, you get introspective and you figure out what you did wrong and try to be better for the next one. I couldn't agree more. You know, and you talked about the nuances of fishing, the similar presentation with the same guy in the boat, with another guy in the boat, and how one of you will be successful and the other won't. Uh, One of our good friends, in fact, you competed on his television show, really built his whole show around that, the Steve Finaz and Lake Commandos, on having each person choose a presentation and then compete half the time with each other's presentation. And it really opens your eyes, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. And uh, and just for the record, Mr. Panaz is a freshwater fishing hall of famer. He's a good dude. That dude can catch fish for sure. And the premise of his TV show is fantastic. Uh, I had a great time with him. I, I will throw out there that I beat him. I want to point that out. <laughs> I beat him on his own show. But uh, but at the end of the day, nine out of ten times he's gonna he's gonna win those. And, and but it's a really it's an interesting thing to see how those nuances come together, especially because there's no excuses. You're motivated to beat that guy when the cameras are rolling and you've already made threats about what you're going to do, well, then you want to beat that guy. So you're going to figure out everything you can do. You're really going to focus. You're going to buckle down and fish for the best you can and make your best decisions, and uh, and that's a really fun thing. And the other thing you alluded to that I was successful coaching, I want to point out that we went. I went to the national championship twice, meaning we won the state title twice and went got to go to the national championship. The first year, we finished dead last. We tied for dead last. Out of 275 teams, we tied with – like 20 other teams for last that didn't catch any fish. But I learned from that, and my kids learned from that. And on the 1,700-mile drive back across the country, we came up with a strategy to win if we could get back to the national championship. We eked out the state championship that year, got back to the national the following year, and won the whole shooting match with a plan we'd put together a year prior. So, again, it's growing as an angler from your losses and uh, and moving forward and, and figuring out. And we did that. And that's probably the single biggest jewel in my career at this point after 18 years on TV. Well, and I, I want to touch a couple other things you mentioned about fishing with the clubs, too, that a lot of the clubs have meetings on a regular basis. And then you go, the meetings aren't competitive. You They're going to talk. You're going to find out what's, where bites are happening. People are going to talk about new presentations. And usually there are seminars, teaching seminars, where they do teach you things. You can pick up so much information and so much knowledge. And, of course, there's so much available online now, but the little nuances a lot of times don't come through until you're seeing it live or talking to somebody uh, about it. 100%. First-hand knowledge is the real thing, and uh, and I believe that. And that's also whether it be at the, at the seminars. And I've done presentations for a couple of different bass clubs, also the Loveland Fishing Club, which is a good one for retired people. Uh, another one, not a competitive club, but they do outings together for retired people. I've done presentations for them. I've done presentations at Denver Bassmasters, the Walleye, uh, Colorado Walleye Association. So, yeah, absolutely, presentations there, which are good. And then the other thing, a lot of them will do conservation uh, things, like the clubs will do lake cleanup days, or they'll install 
habitat. Uh, they did that at Boyd Lake several years ago where the Denver Bassmasters and a couple other club guys got together, some of the guys from Centennial Bass Club, and uh, and put habitat, mossback fish habitat, into Boyd Lake and uh, to help bolster uh, bolster the offshore habitat there. So there's things like that that happen as well. They do lake cleanups here at Horsetooth and things like cast event, which you and I talk about every year on the radio, that catch a special thrill for developmentally disabled kids. Uh, again, that's put on by by the affinity clubs. All the volunteers that show up for that, or the overwhelming majority of them, are folks that are involved in one of the clubs. So, again, like I said, it's just like-minded people getting together and and you know commingling their powers and getting stuff done. And the last thing I'll echo again is political voice. Um, as anglers and hunters and outdoor enthusiasts, there's a lot of pressures on our activities from people who don't partake. And we need a voice to let the politicians know that there's a huge number of us out here and we vote. And all those clubs you mentioned unify that voice and and they bring that voice out there and they quantify it and tell people, hey, we have this many people and this is what they think about that. And it couldn't be more important than it is today. Absolutely. That's my that's my big one. And I am not a politically involved guy at all. The only thing I can do is vote and move on. But uh, but I make sure my name is amongst the members of as many clubs as I can, because that just demonstrates, as you say, that the numbers are involved. And um, and it doesn't matter. Some of the clubs are very, very, you know, borderline evangelical about stuff like captains for clean water in, in Florida. Some of them are a little bit more laid back where like Child Unlimited, where they focus mostly on access, but it depends on whatever. But you're right. We need the more names are on those rosters, the more political strength they have, whether you're the guy actually showing up at the at the Capitol building and rallying or not. You're at least one of the names on the list. And those numbers are big. And that's that's important. And along those same lines, recruiting new people to our sport is huge because that, again, is voting power in the future. And it's no secret. We've been under attack for a while. Uh, we as traditional outdoorsmen, and so yeah, getting getting together with some other folks and putting your name on whatever uh, roster you can politically will definitely help out and just give us voting power, uh, a little bit of a voice. Real quick, if you're going to go fishing tomorrow, let's just say you're getting ready for a Sunday or Monday if you want to beat the crowds, where would you go? What are you hearing? Well, I'm telling you, the high country is on fire right now, and I've got several buddies, and I have not personally been up there, and I'm generally hesitant to share secondhand information, but uh, but I've got several buddies that have been up in the high country, and uh, they're on fire right now, whereas the lowland reservoirs are getting to be warm, you know, uh, where fishing is not great. I've actually been out on horse feet uh, most of the morning, and it has not been particularly good for me. Uh, I would probably go up in the high country and whether it be some of the creeks uh, or, or some of the, you know, the actual reservoirs up higher, but I would probably make my way up the hill and uh, and get out of town for a little bit right this minute. I think we're in that dog days period of summer around here uh, on the front range where you need to fish early or late or you need to be good at offshore stuff on your electronics uh, or timing a bite, you know, just quickly, quickly timing one, but, uh, but not super easy fishing right now on the front range. The pond, any one of the ponds will be good, the bass ponds, but again, early in late is going to be your friend. And I'm going to the bass ponds. I'm throwing a top water frog. That's just because of how much fun it is. And it's just as good a chance to get busy as anything else. Speaking of the high country, we did have Steve Schweitzer around in the first hour and he echoed your sentiments. He just got back from a several day trip up in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and he said it is on fire. They are hungry. They're looking up, and they're ready to eat. Well, if anybody would know it, it'd be that guy, uh, given that he works. So, uh, but, yeah, I, 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 had, I didn't hear it from him, but I'm hearing that from several buddies that live up on the hill. And uh, 
time to get up there. And I tell you what, there's no fish. I'll close with this. There is no fish prettier than a cutthroat in spawning colors. And, um, you know, places like Lake Agnes, make the hike up the hill, get up on the hill. You can look down. You can find them with your, just with your glasses. And they just glow like they got batteries in them. Absolutely beautiful fish. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks very much, Terry. You guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. You bet. Chad LaChance, always a great resource. And the importance of belonging to these affinity groups, I can't overstate it in today's world, but also what it'll bring to your outdoor enjoyment, uh, knowledge. It'll exponentially move you along to being more successful and learning the nuances of your sport, and it'll make your enjoyment level go right through the roof. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors broadcasting today on 1600 ESPN. Normally, you'll find us over on 104.3 The Fan from 9 to 11. Just thinking, we started on The Fan in 1998. This is 26 years of doing this show. Hopefully, you've uh, it's made your outdoor experience better because that's what we really try to do. We'll be on ESPN next week yet too. And then hopefully back to the fan where we normally find us. But if you follow us on Facebook, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, we'll update you if there's a schedule change, whether it's time or channel. Also, we podcast everything on this show. So a lot of these podcasts, you can always go to get podcast and interview recordings to uh, denversports.com. Go to my page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And there's months and months of podcasts and interviews there if you want to revisit something. But we take three or four of the more timely ones every week, and we repost them on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook so that we keep them out there in the public eye because we just think it's good information that people need to know right now. Also on our Facebook page, Karen puts up uh, links to videos on our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is The Best of Fishing with uh, Terry Wickstrom. Now, those, some of those episodes were filmed a while ago. I'm not going to lie to anybody. We did 22 seasons on television, and what's on our YouTube channel are legacy episodes from our TV shows. And Karen has pulled the commercials out, so they're commercial-free, uh, except for the commercials YouTube puts in them, I guess. I should say that. But we've done that so that we can keep those episodes available to people. We did two shows, you know, Mountain States Fishing, and angling adventures. Mountain States Fishing was filmed within a day's drive of the front range of Denver. Angling adventures, we fished all over from the Arctic Circle to South America, many times over, Mexico, Canada, Alaska, all the corners of the U.S. And we it's as much a travel show as a fishing show, so it shows you locations and places. But even a lot of angling adventures was filmed right here in this area. So when you go to The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, if you live here in Colorado, a lot of those episodes are going to bring you lakes and techniques that are right here in your backyard. And the information is still very viable. It'll help you get started. Now, there's been advances. There's been some changes. But it can really give you a great start uh, getting out and fishing in the area. I'll be posting a couple um, couple things on the Facebook page yet today. One for sure is going to be this event that the uh, the Barnes Group is putting on for the veterans. There's already a flyer posted on our page. 
I'm going to post that interview with all the information and a website that you can go to to um, to buy tickets or sign up because what a great, great uh, event this is. It's called Cocktails and Country Music or Country Music and Cocktails, and it's uh, going to provide like an hour and a half of country music, a private concert, uh, and then it's going. The money's all going to go to help vet, returning veteran, veterans uh, assimilate back into their family life. So, what a great, great, great uh, event that will be! I want to thank Dante back in the studio for keeping me online, Karen for putting this show together, and hoping I could execute it. And thank all you for listening. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports on ESPN. 